podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. I'll be your host today, Sai, and I'm joined with some real good guys today. Uh, Yaz, how you doing, man? Going on, man. All good. All good. How things? Yeah, not bad. Not been sleeping. Uh, have you been sleeping after after your marathons on the Twitter account? To be fair, I'm still recovering from the live draft. Like, <laughs> that's just weighed me in. I'm still not right since the draft. But yeah, all good, though. So moody, moody as potentially today, then. Good, good shit. Potentials. Good shit. Potentials. We got also, I just had to re-watch Miami beat us. In the conference finals to like prep for this so uh yeah maybe maybe <laughs> good stuff good stuff we got mario how you doing bro yeah i'm not too bad i'm not i'm not too bad at all man how you doing sir not bad you're on the op- opposite side of the mic today uh so i'll be asking the questions good luck Mario special yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Good> luck, <man. laughs> we got a special guest with us today we got Shaq. how's it going brother how you guys doing i'm good i'm good just you know miami heat is Pod, so gotta get the biggest Miami Heat fan here. Like, obviously, I'm just finding out that Yasin is a Celtics fan. I'm gonna guess. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, but man, is you know what? As you can see from the background, I've actually been the most vocal Heat backer since the podcast started, which is why it hurts so much. It's like, it's like you big you big someone up and you build someone up and they turn around and they stab you in the back like happened. I mean, and I still don't really know how to feel about it. On the one hand, we lost. On the other hand, I was proven really right. Bit I don't sweet, know what one man. I prefer. It's, I mean, I hear that, but sweet. like, you're used to seeing Miami Heat slap you at the conference finals anyway, so... <laughs> just like rewrite right. history, so... How many years are we talking anyway? Listen. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get let him, don't let him do it, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes is not a rollover, so this should be interesting. Um... So yeah, basically, as, as we've alluded to, today is going to be another off-season autopsy in our series. Uh, we're going to do things a little bit different today. So we'll be combining the Miami Heat with the Milwaukee Bucks just to cover both of their paths uh, to the playoffs and everything in between. Um, so we'll get to compare and contrast. But before we get to that, obviously, the NBA off-season is, is in full effect. Our last episode, we covered the draft and early free agency. Um, so there's been quite a few more moves since that podcast. Um, first, first and foremost, uh, Cousins to Houston Rockets, which was quite a big move. Um, so it looks as if they're totally getting outside of their small ball of the last few years. Um, we've also got another new big man in LA. So Serge Ibaka has obviously gone to the Clippers. And now Mark Gasol has joined the Los Angeles Lakers, which is a big deal after they lost Howard. Um, also, uh, relating to the last pod where we spoke about the Milwaukee Bucks and their sort of attempts to get Bogdanovich on the books, um, he's actually ended up in the Atlanta Hawks, which has caused quite a stir. And I'm sure we'll touch on that in more detail. Um but probably the most exciting for some of us on this pod in particular um, is the extensions for the 2017 Young Stars. So Brandon Ingram, uh, Donovan Mitchell, 
Tatum and Bam Adebayo have all had big money extensions. Over no, it was so sad. I already like I was planning my answer to, oh, what do you think of the extensions in, in my head? And I was like, do you know what? They're all live, except I feel so bad for De'Aaron Fox being locked into Sacramento. And he didn't even make your list. That is what being locked into Sacramento does. Doesn't matter if you're earning 165 million. You're in Sacramento, so it don't matter. That is raw. I was waiting, thinking, where's this? What? Oh no, he's not in the car. I forgot about Fox, to be fair, man. But yeah, that's what happens when you're... Say that again, Chet. I was saying, where's Fox on his list? But I guess Sacramento's curse. Yeah, where, where where are they going to be at the end of the season is the more per- pertinent question, to be perfectly honest. I don't think anyone, not many people are big, big uh, Sacramento Kings fans. Um, you want to hear a depressing stat as we lack a bespoke stat? There is one team out of 30 NBA teams that have not made the playoffs since 2010. <laughs> Sacramento, baby. Sacramento, <laughs> Sacramento. The funniest thing is I, I do have a soft spot for them. The Mike Bibby... And uh, Chris Webber days are formative for my basketball uh, love. So it is depressing to see them in, in the pits, but we move. Um, so Beautiful uh, stadium, though. Beautiful stadium. Beautiful, beautiful st- arena. Lovely stuff. So getting into uh, the meat and potatoes of, of this podcast, obviously, I mentioned uh, Bam Adebayo's son and his extension. So that will be a nice pivot to get into the heat season. Um, so I think starting off, uh, I think it will be apt to sort of cover uh, what the expectations going into the season were. Obviously, they had a big move going into the season with uh, Hassan Whiteside and Josh Richardson getting traded for Jimmy Butler in a sign and trade, um, which basically changed the complexion of the team. So I'll throw over to Shaq. How, how did that make you feel? How excited were you going into the season? You know what, last season, I was a bit nonchalant in the sense of probably going to come like eighth seed, get kicked out, get brushed, normal, but we're still building. I was happy to get Jimmy Buckets because like Chicago didn't done him dirty, 76ers were trash, so like it just didn't make any sense for him. But getting a play that plays hard makes sense for us because we defend hard. Like our whole team is just energy and grit. So he suited it, but again, he's not a good three-point shooter. Does it make sense for us? I didn't have the highest of expectations, if I'm honest. Like, it was cool. But also getting rid of Justice Winslow. <sighs> beautiful stuff. So, um, my expectations were, like, meaty. But I said, get, going through the season, if we get to the playoffs and the way we was playing, I said it, like, from early, early, we could beat the Bucks, 100%. Then I said, the Celtic, I mean, Jason Tatum's scary. And that's it. We could, we've, we've just Spolstra's system and that's what good coaching is. Like Spolstra's a good coach and coaching can actually teach you how to defend certain systems. So zoning out Giannis, making him shoot, kind of what um, um, Pop was doing to LeBron in 2013, I believe, or 2012, etc. Like literally, he can't shoot. Make sure that getting to the rim is not easy. You've got someone energetic like Bam. Bringing them players in was good. Then I heard like, oh, Duncan Robinson. All right, let's see. I was excited for Tyler Hero, especially because he wears number 14. He's the GOAT. But we'll see how it goes. Expectations weren't high, but they over-delivered. As for this season? We'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll, we will get to that. Um, for me, did you have any reservations uh, given his stint? This, this is the thing. I think like, you really can't underplay 
how much of a, and I don't even mean this as a cuss, how much of a, a non-factor Miami were in the preseason last year because everyone was just like, all right, the Yanis thing was in the, in the plan. Mm -hmm. 21 was in the plan. The contracts hinted at that. They were going to go try and make a splash at free agency. Butler was the first piece in that. And everything else was just like, all right, boom, we'll try and put things in place. Facts. Like, like we're just a nothing team. In I've a just sense. literally looked it up now and uh, I went to the preseason uh, prediction and everyone on ESPN, the sort of aggregate thing was Bucks first in the East, Sixers second. Wow, what a year they had. Uh, Celtics third, Pacers fourth, Nets fifth, but that's because they thought Kyrie was made of sterner stuff. Um, Raptors sixth. Uh, and uh, he seventh two wins over Orlando. So to sh like obviously there was midseason moves which we'll get into as well. But from the first three weeks, like they had an early win against Milwaukee. From the first two three weeks of the season, their play showed a team that were going to outperform those predictions. And I think Shaq, uh, you you you'll know better than me having watched them the year before. But I don't think you can overstate. Butler's influence in that enough. Massive. Is it like before, like in a sense of player for player, if you say like we got rid of Justice Winslow and brought in a player like him, but a lot better in Jimmy Butler, because Jimmy don't space the floor, you don't play the free, but what you have is a player that he's come in and said, I'm the best player in this bitch. Cool. But have the ball. The, from the first three weeks, you could see that Kendrick Nunn was taking more shots than Jimmy Butler. Um, Dragic wasn't getting as much time as he wanted, but who cares? Um, but at the same time, Jimmy Butler was the third, had the third, third most amount of shots in our team. And he's your star player. That's when everyone tapped into, we're here to win and you play to win. And Spolstra said in the system as well, we're here to win the game as a team. It's not about making sure he shines. And if he gets all-star, he gets all-star. Who cares? Like we're trying to get a chip, if anything. I yeah. thought we needed another piece other than Jimmy to push us to a certain extent, but it was a... It's a season, last season, my expectation was to set a playing field of Miami are here to play. And we kind of set that, so I was happy. Yeah. I think, obviously, you talk about the Heat kind of culture, Pat Riley, et cetera, et cetera. And no player really fits that more than a Jimmy Butler when, when you think about it. And he's kind of bounced around the league for a few years now, trying to find a home. Uh, he was in Minnesota, didn't quite work out. He was in Philly, wasn't feeling it in Philly either. And he, he, I think he said he had the pitch with uh, Spo and Pat Riley. And before they even got to the, the pitch, just talking hoops and talking um, culture and talking um, basketball, etc. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. And it's, it's, a, it's a perfect marriage, really, for, for you guys. Um, I think you guys probably did way well. I mean, you've confirmed you did way better than anyone thought you would do. But I think definitely the kind of hiatus helped as well. Uh, I think that that did give guys a, a bit of time to get back in the gym. Um, it almost was like guys weren't necessarily coming into their second season, but it was almost like a season and a half. You'd had a, a big chunk of the NBA season. You've stopped. You've been able to go back, look at tape, go look, go look at the things you struggled at, worked on it, and you and you've come back and and that bubble kind of mentality, that kind of caveman mentality. Jimmy didn't get no, he didn't get a trim. I don't think he's washed. I don't think he's washed. I don't think he did anything cleanly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stinks. You mean, you mean get a trim since January? 
that's, that's my <laughs> that, stink, that stink was to keep defenders off him. So, um, uh, yeah, so it, 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 all, it all came together um, very well for you guys. So I think you're a year or two ahead of schedule. But um, yeah, I think you can't you can't really complain in terms of how this season has gone for you. This, really, this pod's a bit weird to even do Miami like we need to. But the whole off season autopsy thing is these teams fell short. What was the reason? But with Miami, it's like all we really can do is big them up because Facts. like first episode of this podcast, we were doing profiles, and I was like, I think they'll be a dark horse. I love watching them play. I think they're the best, one of the best teams to watch this year as well. Just in terms of the basketball they play. And I said, look, the only thing that's really going to hold them back is whether or not the shooting is sustainable. And I wasn't really sure if it would be, you know, because, you know, you had Crowder in huge numbers, Kendrick Dunn and undrafted, uh, Kendrick Dunn, um, undrafted White Ute. Uh, Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson hitting mad numbers. Tyler Hero coming in as a rookie and taking to the floor and seeing more minutes than a standard rookie would. Um Myers Leonard had good numbers before they realised he couldn't defend in the player. And I guess, like, I wasn't, even though I said it and I liked watching them, even I wasn't expecting just what they do. But by the time it came round to play Milwaukee, the majority of this podcast thought they'd win. And we weren't yeah. even really in any doubts about it. We saw it as in six or as in seven, and they'd done them in five. five. Yep, and then that was five. after sweeping Indiana, no problem. And I think that on, on the Butler thing, um, and that whole heat culture and perfectly sort of uh, matching up to it and stuff. Bulls done him a bit dirty. Tibbs and Minnesota not the right fit. And it was very public how like he just was not feeling Brett Brown at all in and Philadelphia. Yeah. And, uh, and then he gets to Miami and it's just a perfect, perfect fit. And it's the timing of it is fantastic. And him having young guys who are looking to him to be, be the, the guy is fantastic. Like for me, Jimmy Butler has positioned himself as as minimum a top 12 player in the NBA right now. And I'm, I swear to, listen, I'll tell you why. I don't care that there's no three. I don't care that there's this, that, and the other, right? NBA finals, game two, 25 points, 13 assists. No mm. bam or drug it, so he's got the team on his back. NBA finals, game three, 40 points, 13 assists, 11 rebounds. Only second player ever to have a 40-point triple-double. Game uh, four, 22 points, 10 rebounds, um, and nine assists. Okay, cool. Game five, 35 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. Sec uh, second ever player to have two 30-point triple-doubles in the same playoff series. You can talk all this stuff about, oh, yeah, he's not got a Kyrie handle or a Dame shot or this, that, and the other. All these guys who have this talent, they do not have the winning ability that he's just shown to that level to put a team on his back that has no drug itch for what, four games of a seven game, six game series, no at a bio of a two, defending elite, elite, elite level range of position, crunch time going 1v1 against LeBron and winning in the isolation of that game. I swear, I, I don't think enough is being made of what Jimmy Butler's just done. I really don't. We've, we've spoken about this quite a few times. I think um, I've, I've, cited Jimmy Butler as basically my barometer for character in the NBA. If, if, we, if we look at the last maybe six years of his career, there's been all these rumbling about him not being a good teammate, this, that, and the third. But realistically, it says more about the guys that he's played with than him as an individual. And I think, I think guys that know the game and guys who have observed the game are, can easily discern that. Um, Jimmy Butler is one of those old school guys. He's going to 
he might not say things in the right way, but the sentiment of what he wants from his teammates is basically what you want from a leader and an elite level talent. Um, yeah, I think, I think oh, go on, go on. I think I think that's 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 even more exemplified by the fact that mid season, so February, they went out and they got Crowder and uh, Igudala, two guys who again are these grit and gr- grind type of guys who never complain what role they're given. They just play hard consistently. Uh, Iguodala left the team where he felt the culture wasn't conducive to winning um, and came to join who? Jimmy Butler. No, I can't lie. Iguodala was a prick. I can't lie. Iguodala (laughs) went to Memphis and just sat on his ass in a strut when he had a proper good little roster to work with. I don't rate what Iguodala did. They were on the periphery of a player. Something that we didn't. Yeah, yeah, but, no, 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 but they were right on the periphery of a playoff spot. Yeah, they were right on the periphery of a playoff spot, and you add a player of Igudala's talent, oh, oh, and mate, he takes I, he takes them over the top, man. I don't. I'm with you, yes. I don't rate it, man. I can't rate that. Save <laughs> that. Save that shit for the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's a couple <laughs> little blot on Igudala's career book. I don't care. Man, just sat at home. Man, just said no. He yeah. just said no. He was like Jama who? He said no. What's that? No. What is that? That's literally, that's literally what they needed. That veteran present top wing defender. They were literally, li- they were in the play-ins and they literally basically didn't have enough talent to, to beat Portland. But with Iguodala, you're talking about maybe two, three, four, four, four more wins. And we all know that's the difference between an eighth and a seventh seed. And that's the difference between you getting into playoffs after years of obscurity, man. I'm, I'm with they you. They would have made the playoffs, but where would they have ended up? Yeah, I just needed yeah. to get it off my chest because I just yeah. realized a year ago I thought he was a dick and I wanted to bring it up. But yeah, <laughs> those two moves were big. Um, on, on, on Crowder, Shaq, obviously Crowder, um, again, I think this is a lot to do with the Yanis move and the drive and the 2021. I, I think that the Yanis thing this season is going to be... <sighs> apart from COVID being the only barrier, it's going to be level with like the fact that when they were saying uh, Kawhi's year in Toronto, there was like a Clippers ambassador at every home game, like trying to speech up Kawhi. I think, I think this is they're, they're locked in on that so much. He's, he's shares an agent, his good friends have had a bio, apparently frequents Miami anyway. Like, I think that is so likely, but the moves now are with that in line as well. If you look at the roster, a lot of the people just, uh, there's either team options or bird rights to extend people over the cap or their contracts are just done like an Olenek. Um, Crowder, apparently they offered him one year and then a team option. So that if the money got a bit sticky, they were just going to be like, yeah, sorry, Yanis. And he took the three years to go Phoenix because I think he saw writing on the wall there. He was like, yeah, nah, fair play, but see you later. Um, who you got in? You got Mo Harkless in on a cheap deal. You got Avery Bradley in. Do you think Crowder's going to be missed? Because I know he was only there a short time, but he added, like, he was guarding Yanis half of that series. He added a certain steal. Do you think that's missed? Right. Or do you think, grand scheme of things, it don't matter? It's, it's missing the height and the, the length. He's a wing defender and we've not replaced him yet. So when it comes to, let's say we're going to go playoffs again, which we will. Um, when we get to that stage of guarding the Yanis and whatnot, who's going to move into it next? Because the next person, like when Crowder used to sub off and Yanis was still on the court, it would be Derek Jones Jr. Who's off as well. So what are we going to do? But again, in Spell We Trust, like it's about understanding that kind of Memphis and really and truly as a wing, as a pyramid defender, Bam's not the worst. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if we have Bam guarding the wing and then maybe like Myers Leonard getting rebounds or Kelly Olynyk, who knows? But it it could work. Um, yeah, it's going to be now, a tough season for you. Ten names there. Tough season for you. One of the problems with the Celtics in that second Kyrie season, right, was like Brown and Tatum got ahead of where they were met expected to be. Yeah. If if the Heat fuck up this year and still get Giannis, that's cool. I don't think you lot should even, to be honest, let a finals appearance mean that you have to do that again. Like, because it was so ahead of schedule and the plan is 2021. Or are you as a fan like, nah, that was the standard that's been set. We need to do that again. So it's like this. You ain't got to go to the conference finals again. You ain't got to win. You ain't got to go to the finals again, sorry. You ain't got to win. It's not expected of us, especially because of our roster. But you still need to show what you showed last year. Mm. I, I ain't trying to see you get four L's swept in the first round. And, oh, we weren't even meant to be there last year. So like, the expectations are to still do well. And you've somewhat added whilst you've lost. So you've balanced it out to an extent. Missing Drake Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. Don't mean we can fall off the pendulum. And we added Avery Bradley, who's actually a great, great defender. Mm. And he can shoot the three as well. And then even our rookie, um, Achuak, I don't know how to say his name, sorry. Precious. Precious Achua, yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of adds the... He's a power forward. Like, he adds the wing defence to it as well. Like, he's a small power forward as well. He can play that kind of role. My expectations this season really truly are... I'll say top five and get to at least the second round. I ain't trying to get bounced out of nowhere Ugh, by what the magic or something. Nah. Um, like probably get top five and then move forward and keep doing it. The funniest thing is though, everyone speaks about Yanis, but who wants Yanis? Let's let's get into that actually. Uh obviously we've covered we've covered what the expectations for the heat were. But Yaz has already sort of touched on. I think I think they I think you want Yanis, and I no. think and I think the, the the finals game was white, right? Because just I was watching it back again today, just in prep for chatting today as well. Because I think we need to get onto Milwaukee and dance on their grave a little bit. But hit me, we we'll, we we'll do that. But but there was just something about the one-two punch of LeBron and AD that even okay, yeah, Dragic is out anyway, and I've already don't want no one needs to say that I'm fuming that the Lakers got off as lightly as they did without Dragic and Bam for as long as they did. It was a mockery. But there was just something about that centre-power-forward combo of AD and LeBron that you are prime almost to replicate. In t- not, not exactly, but in terms of Bam and Giannis, in terms of just that two players that aren't guardable on their best day. And if you have that and Jimmy and then just shooters that can be extended like a Robinson, like a hero on a rookie deal, that's, that is, that's the only, I'd say that's the best five. But what if the balanced skill set? So why is it you don't want him? Well, because what if we can get someone that can play as a small forward and to an extent, small extent with the grit that he has, play as defend some power forwards because a lot of power forwards are actually undersized in this league nowadays anyway. So who do you have in mind? Who do you have in mind? And he comes for around about the same price, if not maybe a little bit cheaper than Yanis, who also is as hungry as Jimmy Butler, as hungry to win. And we're talking Bradley Beal, who's also a free agent next year. So who are you thinking of? But who fits that specification that you've just... Do you know what I was... Do you know what? I was thinking this earlier today. Do you know who 
the thing that complicates it a little bit is that they wanted to move home. Yeah. But Kawhi's opting out. Yeah. I could see someone like Kawhi. Obviously, we, we it, there's a lot of um, assumptions about Kawhi because he's so, like, we just don't know this guy. Like, he's a weirdo. But I could see him look at uh, the lack of accountability and the lack of bottle and the lack of just grit in the tough moments at the Clippers this year. He's opting out at the end of this season and joining the same free agent class as Giannis. I could see that guy just look across to Miami and be like, fuck it, a flight's a flight, but that's a situation I'd like to be in. So I get it if you're saying that there's other people you could chase if you don't get Giannis, but are you actively saying that he's third, second, fourth on what you would be targeting as a fan? Because I feel like if Giannis Antetokounmpo wants to join your team and you have room for Giannis Antetokounmpo, that's that's a no-brainer, no? Uh, it is kind of a no-brainer in that sense. It's about thinking about this system. It's it's in the sense of if you could get Russell Westbrook to go to your team, you get him to join James Harden. You have two great players now. They must play well, but it might not work. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were meant to be, the, the Clippers were meant to be the, the team of the biggest amount of depth, talent everywhere. It just didn't work. So sometimes you've got to think about how it works within the system. And does Yanis fit the heat? I'm not sure. Because of what Bradley Beal's playing within that trash-ass place called Washington, you, it can't, the way he actually plays with it, where he's a superstar and he's the star, but he doesn't mind also sitting back a little bit and let other people do their work as well, just like what Jimmy was doing, I see that working a little bit more. What do you Bradley think would be the problem with Giannis there? Like, because like, obviously he doesn't really overlap with Bam because Bam's... Bam just does his own thing. He does his like higher post handoffs and offense goes through him and stuff like that. So I, I don't know who's okay. He's not a three shooter. Obviously, we'll end up getting to that though. Um, let's let's go through the Bucks because I think I think naturally we'll we'll end up dissecting uh, Antetokounmpo's game and seeing what adjustments he might need to make in order for the Bucks to be successful. And that's going to be a transferable thing with whatever team he ends up on if he does decide to leave. Um, so obviously the Bucks were consensus favourites in the East. Uh, they ended up delivering on that front with a 56-17 and 17 record to secure the first seed. Yanis wins another MVP, coming off an MVP season. Um, what went wrong for them? Obviously they, they sort of, they walk to the playoffs every year. The last couple of years especially, they're by far the most consistent team in the East. But there are clear warning signs every time they step into the playoffs. Um, even this season, in the in the first round, they dropped a game to Orlando, who, all disrespect intended, are the bottom feeders of of, of the playoffs in the East. So, what what is it about yeah, their system? About Markel Fultz and that that was a mazaline. I think it's just um, it's it's what we mentioned in our very first episode. The way they play in the regular season isn't really sustainable for playoff success. So, um, Bud, um, he knows how to get regular season wins. They finished with the best defense in the league, top 10 offense. Um, so, that was a given. I don't think anybody took too much from that, to be honest. Even as they were like the best team in the East and they had the best record in the East, I don't think at any point anybody really thought of them as the best team in the NBA. Um, we look at the nature of how they got knocked out of the playoffs um, the year before by Toronto 
and it was very much the same questions. So, Giannis, you're, you're very much in a regular season, able to dominate physically, get into the paint. It's a lot of it's a lot of literally layups and dunks. Um, people have made jokes about it all season, but as 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 we know, when we get to the playoffs, the game changes. And I, I watched that Orlando series, and once I saw the trouble that the uh, Magic gave them, I knew yeah, it's it's not going to happen. This it's not going to happen this year for them. Janis, uh, and even even worse, the Heat didn't even let Janis eat. Like against the Magic, Janis was able to still dominate and be Janis, and it was kind of, and uh, then the other guys were able to feed on their scraps, and hence why they were able to beat them in five games. But the Heat had the bodies to slow Janis down, and when they've got the bodies to slow Janis down, and then you've got that extra attention on your shooters, and now the shots you're making are to keep you in the game rather to than extend a seven point lead to a ten point lead. It's a different pressure. It's a different pressure. And yeah, they, they wilted. Um, he's still a few years away from the player that he needs to be um, for them to play the way that they play and for them to be successful. So it's, I guess, for him, it's one of two... Dis- it's one of years away, right? This guy's yeah. super, super max eligible in a year. Yeah. The guy, like, he's, what, 25? Yeah, 25. 25. And look, 25 is not old, obviously, and it's, it's a couple years off prime or whatever. But when I watch him okay, the shot might come along a little bit. It was 32% from three, I think, in the playoffs on about four or five attempts, which is not good enough for a title-winning team, but mm. especially a system like theirs where you want to have a bit of... It's so rigid, you want to switch it up a little bit. He needs to endanger it. But, like, the guy's shooting 50% pretty much from his from his three throws, 60%. Seven and dunks and layups as well. Like, yeah. and, and, and then he... He, he doesn't seem to have that kind of ability to to pass it out when he's got this little wall of three men in front of him, which a lot of teams seem to do against him now. Where, where does he really go as a player? And, and is two years going to do it? Like, what is he going to add in two years that he doesn't have now? Or is he just limited where this system doesn't work with him and there needs to be a rethink on how to get the best out of him. Like, what do you see it's, coming as different? It's, it's skill development. They they say it takes them about 18 months or so to de- to develop that let that additional length on their on their shooting. I think his vision out of the double team is also another weakness for them. Um they tried to address it um this off season by surrounding him with better shooters. Um but that not getting Bogdanovich is really um, again, they're, they're not going to go anywhere for me this 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 year. Um, where, well, they could still come out of the East, but they're not beating whoever comes out of the West. Well, yeah, you think that Bogdanovich thing is a big miss, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 to me was that was it, man. That was it. That was their that was their team there. And where are you going to replace that level of sh- where are you going to find a shooter to replace him? Because what Janis needs is that player that occupies the defense just to give him a, it's just a little bit more space. Like he's so dominant doing what he does that even if he doesn't necessarily develop those additional skills, what you then just need to do is surround him with players to complement the weaknesses in his game. Well, he had that though. No, he didn't. I'd, I'd, I'd be inclined to disagree with, with him having that because I don't think he does. Saw, where didn't he have that? So we saw, we saw in the playoffs how uh, Middleton basically went MIA. He Ooh. was a non-factor in most games. Bledsoe, for all intents and purposes, was literally just a little ball of muscle. But this, this is that's the biggest shift for me. Drew in for Bledsoe is massive. That's a big update. That's a, that's a big upgrade. 
Didn't he have Wesley Matthews? Uh, they've lost Wesley Matthews. That's a big loss yeah, as well. But he had it last year. He had that. Have Wesley Matthews and Wesley Matthews. I think I think the stat is something like on open uncontested threes he shoots eighty percent. Eighty percent. Like on open shots, and he's really getting the ball to him. And who, who has the ball most of the time? Giannis. So then the issue is him. It's not that he didn't have the surrounding cast. But this is this is the problem though. When 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 you surround somebody who is ball dominant with somebody who can play make. The natural progression of, of that team's game is to delegate in moments where the game slows down and those those opportunities become a bit few and far, further between. That's one of the things that they did have when they had Malcolm Brogdon. But this, but this is what I mean, right? Look, per, per game in the playoffs, right? like I get it and I hear all that, right? Per game in the playoffs, Kyle Korver, nearly four attempts a game. That's a 40% shooter. Brooke Lopez, over five attempts a game, that's a 40% shooter. All from three. Wesley Matthews, over four attempts per game, 40% shooter. George Hill, even, like, 40, 35% shooter on three attempts a game. Chris Middleton needs to up it, and, and it's crunch time as much as anything for Middleton, but six and a half attempts a game on 35%. Okay, cool, but Bogdan Danovich wasn't coming in to replace Middleton. He was a, in addition of. And then you start, okay, looking at the depth, but that's, that's five players five players who are serviceable to excellent shooters. Yep. Surely that isn't so much of a thing now where that was that was the difference. Like I, I think well, I think it is though because when you what when you Drew Holiday or Bogdanovich as the bigger get for them, for me it was holiday all day. So I, I, as much as it's embarrassing, I said this on Sunday as well, like as much as some of it is embarrassing the Connaughton having to pay him more than an extra year because they don't understand how the fucking cap works. Bogdanovich is signing trade, basically turning into a what? I ain't going there in front of everyone. Like, it's embarrassing. But their roster is better for having Drew Holiday on it. Yeah. This is, this is where the, the, the sort of depth of analysis comes in a bit more, though. Their issues aren't just personnel. It's style of play. So in, in certain instances where style of play is just an inherent problem... On defense, for example, they play a lot of drop coverage, which means that they just allow teams to shoot threes and see what happens. Well, this is the problem when they come against you can't come against Miami, the best shooting team in the league, and then just think they won't make those. <laughs> they won't make those. Go on, boys, have your shots. The warning signs were there against the Orlando Orlando Magic. Not not so much from three, but in terms of Vucevic coming off of pick and pops. He was feasting on them for yeah. the whole series and they managed to snatch a game. Do you, think, do you think Budenhauser is going to change that or is he just going to be like, nah, Not this is what works? He ain't changing shit. But can I, can, I, can I just say, I also think that one big factor that we don't mention, so I think um, Mariah spoke about it when you speak about the heat. So like the lockdown happened, then the bubble had to get created and he was saying that Miami done their homework, et cetera, et cetera. But everyone had that chance to do it. For me, one factor that I think the Bucks had last season was that, can't lie, Yanis is doing what he wants. He's getting the ball. He's putting it in a hole. We're slapping teams. We're the Bucks. Complacency really got to them as well. They played like, oh, we'll get it back. Oh, it's fine. I think they, they definitely started the bubble slow and the feeling was kind of like they'd get into it. But Bledsoe came in and he was injured. So it took him a while to get back into it. But I don't mm. think complacency was, was part of their problem. I think, if anything, they were tighter than usual. I think that kind of ticking time bomb of Giannis's contract is very much 
very much there. I think Janice is very aware of he's the back-to-back MVP. And once once you come to that status in the league, people are going to be looking at you like, what are you what are you doing? Okay, fine, you're the regular season MVP, but what are you doing in the playoffs? And when you actually look at it, they were further away this year than they were last year. So they've taken it, they've actually taken a step back. They've taken a step back. So I don't think they were, I don't think they were complacent. I think it's a combination of Janice's limitations. The system that they play, like Sai mentioned, and I think the personnel they have. Jules a great pickup, but I think they still needed that other guy. Um, for a game from Kyle Corver, for a game from Wesley Matthews, free a game from um, George Hill. You need that third guy who, one game, he's going to explode for 25, 30 points. That's you what that Milton does. Huh? The That's third guy. That's you need a third guy who once a game in the series is going to explode for 25, 30 points. Middleton is not as good as your average number two option. I think we can all acknowledge that. And then you need a you need your third guy who maybe once in like five games can explode and give you like 20, 25, 30 points to open up the whole court. When you watch them and you watch how they play, it's so easy for teams to defend them and keep them contained that with their current personnel, it's going to be difficult for them. It's going to be really, really difficult for them. Do you not think, so again, going back to the system, do you think, so look, they've made a big gambit this off season. All right, boom, we need to get Drew, have all of our picks. We're going full clipper on it, have three picks, two swaps, boom. Bogdanovich do whatever. We're just gonna tap him up, tamper all day over there. They've they've shown this this worry, I guess, about Giannis and commitment to trying to compete with the moves. Do you not think then, with everything that us four men in London can see, they're not gonna say, all right, let's just rethink and rejig and try something else? Why? Why didn't they up to now? He didn't adjust at all. Like this is the playoffs. You think, do you not think? Do you not think, do you not think, I, I get that, do you not think, and I don't know what I think on this, they come against Miami in one conference semi-final, best three-point shooting team in the league, team who get off quality looks, do lovely little handoffs, have a good motion offense, which you just kill them off. Now, if they've gone against Toronto, who do not have the same players to do that, or if they'd gone against the Celtics, who aren't as committed to the three. I think they, they go a bit more isolation, especially where we are at the moment when people are still figuring their stuff out. Do you think... I, I, I have this funny feeling that they do better against those teams than Miami. I feel like Miami was just a shit matchup. And I think that might... And it was such an extreme matchup. That might just make them think, all right, well, this isn't sustainable anymore. Listen... Um... I, I definitely agree that Miami was the worst case scenario for them. I could have predicted that before ever seeing anyone in the bubble. It's just matchups make games, right? One of the things we did see, though, is when Giannis was off the court, the Bucks did show a, a, an ability to play motion offense. They had to. Especially. It falls into a situation where they had to do handoffs. They had to be a bit more fluid. And guys started to get into rhythm. This is the same criticism that I have for the Houston Rockets. When you have a ball-dominant player, a guy whose percentage rate is in the high 30s, what naturally happens is guys fall out of rhythm. They might get four or five shots over the course of a game, but they're not getting three, four looks in a quarter, for example. That, that's how you get guys involved in the team. If you don't have that from your star man, you need that from a natural playmaker, and they have 
neither at the minute. So the fact of the matter is, is they, they, they have issues with their personnel. They have issues with their system. But me, for on, on a personal note, I do think Bud has over, over, overstayed his welcome there. I don't think they're going to be able ceiling. to He's reached his, this is his ceiling. Um, best, great regular season coach, first, second round. But where is your adjustment? Do you not think a coach like Spo, a coach like even Brad Stevens, say what you want to say about Brad Stevens, they're not... And Nick Nurse, like if you do look at and, the other... And Nick Nurse, final, sorry, how can I forget? How can I forget? Spolstra was spinning my head in terms of changing from a, a zone to a switching defence to a whatever in that series. Nick Nurse was doing a box and one, which I had to go and fucking Google to learn what that was. Uh, like, And then Brad Stevens was reacting to all of that. And sometimes we throw in Canter to go over a zone for like three minutes and we had tight ceiling stuff. And then every now and then... Rob Williams would do amazing vertical game until Brad Stevens saw him not pick someone up and pull him out. Um, like all of those coaches showed, yeah, a, a big adaptability. And yeah, I just, I just don't know. That's that's the level, and, it's, and I get it. I get it. It's different complacency in the sense of we'll get it done. I don't know I don't, if it's complacent or idealistic. Complacency is it idealistic or complacency? I don't know. Is it just like this I will think, work? I think he's just it's above him, like. I have a, like it's very difficult to say to somebody you have a system that wins you the regular season comfortably every season you need to change that you, you need know to what change, as well you need to, you need to change that. <laughs> you know what the other thing as well if you're so it's, this is the problem now Houston are having with uh like okay we might lose hard and we might lose Westbrook and then you look at them scrambling of who they're gonna get now and then they've got like Christian Wood Demarcus Cousins. And they got a, a, a small ball coach from Dallas. And it's kind of just like, all right, well, let's see what happens. That's because they've been so wedded to this D'Antoni small ball stuff that all of their getting rid of uh, Capella was like all in. If you look at the usage rate, um, and I know that some people bail me up after they listen to this podcast and they're like, blah, stop using these words. I don't know what they mean. So if you look at the usage rate, which is basically how often that guy has a ball in his hands and it goes for a pass or a shot or something or a foul. After Giannis, which, like you said, it was over 35% side. I think the Bucks have been so committed to getting personnel in for this system that they're so wedded to. You actually look at the individual ability to spin a playoff series round. All right, Chris Middleton, second usage rate makes sense. All right, Bledsoe, third makes sense, even though that's a problem in itself. Bledsoe is trash, man. Four, four, uh, right, four, 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 fifth and sixth, you... Four, fifth, and sixth usage rate for the Bucks. Tell me them now. It's got to be Brook Lopez. Like, yeah. Oh, Dante DiVincenzo. All right, hold on, hold on. DiVincenzo is sick, who they just gave up in a trade that they had to get back. Yeah. Al Corva is fifth, who's 40 years old. And Ilya Sova is third, who they just waved. Mm. So that says a lot about the personnel that they've got in terms of individual ability, which is what we've seen the playoffs come down to, like, Talk about schemes and whatever, Rondo decided to show up. Talk about schemes and whatever, Bam Adebayo had the biggest block I've ever seen because he has the quality to do that that nobody else does. Jimmy has those record-setting triple-doubles, not because of schemes or even his shot or handle, but because he willed it in because that's such a unique skill set to him. And you look at his roster, and yeah, to be fair, like Drew is is a is a quality guy to get in but 
Okay, then. So in terms of like what you're saying in terms of personnel, who would you say would suit the system? It, it don't even have to just be. Really- I think that's the problem. I think yeah. they they've maybe gone too much to suit in the system. I think they should sometimes just be like, all right, this is a player. Let's get in a player. Yeah, but I, I think when when you become too wedded to a system, what you end up doing is you you sort of overcomplicate a very very simple game. Um, basketball is not is not the most complicated game on the planet. You can pick up a ball. You can go to a park, meet new guys, and you can you can get a game running to a high standard. Anyone that's played the game knows that. When you get to the highest level, it's all about the detail. It's not about complicating it. It's about the detail. And the fact of the matter is, is when you when you sit there and you basically come up with a rigid rigid system that requires a bunch of specialists around the court, what you end up doing is you end up putting shackles on a very very fluid game. So with the, with the Bucks in particular, just view it as a big ball version of the Rockets where once Bud does leave, they're going to blow up the whole fucking roster. The whole roster is going to change because I, of the I, fact I, that... I'm still in shock that Ilyasova had the fourth usage rate of him. I can't believe my eyes. What is going on there? It's mad. It's, it's from kickouts and stuff like that, isn't it? It's pick and pops, all of that, all of that type of stuff. So, um, it's so interesting to me because obviously they were linked with... Chris Paul for a, a, a long time um, for last season and in the offseason obviously they've gone with Drew he's younger uh, cheaper as well um, but you look at how Chris Paul impacted OKC and, and the career years that they had and the issues that he had in Houston because he told just the way we play is not sustainable you cannot win with your turn my turn your turn my turn we need to move the ball people need to get touches um, and I've Someone like him goes there and like the NBA is made up of guys who, like I think I said on the last pod, who at some point in their career or in their evolution was the best player in their school or the best player in their city or the best player in their, in their year. All the guys in the NBA are talented basketballers. You have to put them in a position where they're able to use their skill sets as well as they can. So it's almost like you have your, you have your playmaker who make sure you're kind of, middle guys are able to raise their level a bit and you keep your team in and around it in a competitive position in the game and then that's where your number one and your number two options then take you over the edge. Um, Middleton, to be fair to him, wasn't even that bad against Miami. He was pretty good and the game they won when Yanis went off injured, he made he made some big buckets. But yeah. as well as looking at Yanis, you're looking at Middleton like, bro, I think they've got, they've, they're on the line for like another, what, 100 million over three years or something ridiculous like that. Um, we talk about unmovable contracts. That's got to be in the top five, top ten unmovable Middleton. contracts. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, I think there will be takers for Middleton. No, no way. Mil- Mil- Middleton, if you go into the realm of like, we go into positions of point guard, shooting guard, small forward. Middleton's a shooting guard and he's one of the best of them. Him, have, him being on the max is not bad. He can go and be a number three option somewhere. Like people, I would take Middleton over CJ McCollum, personally. Nah, I wouldn't. What? CJ just won his first ever playoff game like this year. That's 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 a team issue. If I wanted to give both of them the ball and I need you to get me a bucket, I'm looking at CJ over um Chris Middleton. For the, for the past year and a bit that you've seen, and even past two years that you've seen Chris Middleton playing, I I don't know how you don't take Middleton over CJ. I think I think um Chris Middleton plays in a better system for the regular season. But like I said, if you get the ball, I need you to get me a bucket in a tight playoff game 
CJ's got way more in his bag. Way oh, more in his bag. Okay, so when have you seen CJ do it? Because as you just said, oh, game shit. three, Yanis walks off. We haven't got Yanis. We need buckets. Middleton said, I got you. Two straight games, buck. And I, I was scared. I was happy. Well, I'm never happy to see an injury, but I was I was like, oh, Yanis is gone. We got this. Then I saw this bald guy just start wigging us. And I'm like, what's happening? And like legit, he balled out. CJ, there's been series where Dame's not been there. Even this year, like I think Dame was gone for a game. CJ's lit up what twice? Wasn't he playing with an injury this these playoffs? Yeah, he had a broken, he had a bad back this year. Cool. Years before that, eh. he's had good play, he's had good playoff series. What stand up, what stand up playoff series has Chris Middleton had? Not a playoff series, but he's only come to light like, like as a baller this year. And he shows he's 30 years, he's 30 years old, bro. I hate I hear that. He's 30 but years old, he's on a 200 million dollar contract. I can't tell people when you're gonna thrive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you wanted to thrive this year, you wanted to thrive this year. But really and truly, in the league right now, as a shooting guard, you'll take not really six, seven guards over Middleton. He can defend well. He can put... I'd say I'd take six or seven guards. You know why Mariah is nasty, by the way? Yeah, I take things. <laughs> <laughs> you know why Mariah is nasty? Mariah just said he's 30 on a $200 million contract when he's 28 on a $177 million contract, which, you know what? That's one of, no, but that's one of them ones where if you correct him, it's not enough of a difference and you'll just be... Yeah, no, obviously, I wasn't... Truly, I that's, a big truly that's a big difference. I, mean, I don't know how old Chris Middleton is. I, I didn't like... All I know is... <laughs> 23 mils, a lot of mil as well. I'm going to use it with Sai. I'm going to be like, look, Kyrie's a year away from 30. He's only 28. 29, Hold 29, on. 30. <laughs> Hold on. Because Kyrie's still top tier though. So that's perfect. Yeah, when he decides that he wants to play and not do it. Hey, 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 that's hey, hey, for another episode. Don't start about Kyrie. Kemba Walker can do a Oh, dude, I'm not a Kemba guy either. I hate yeah. a lot of man, but uh, but yeah, well, that's for another week. That's for another week. <laughs> on that, on that, on that, CJ and uh, Chris Middleton talk, just to just to sort of wrap that sort of comparison up, I think one of the biggest factors in in that comparison is CJ never seems scared to take the game from the scruff of the neck if Lillard is on the court. Middleton doesn't want to touch the ball, he doesn't want to get involved as much as he maybe should when Yanis is in his bag. And that, that to me is a defining factor. And that not only uh, reflects badly on Bud, it also reflects badly on Yanis and Middleton's ability to basically delegate to the hot hand. Very, very rarely do you see Chris Middleton just go off and get the plaudits for being a sort of 1B in certain situations. There's a clear gap uh, between how they're perceived and the performances. Nope. You know, Portland, he, you know, Portland only made the Western Conference Finals the year before last. I, I remember CJ having a, a couple of good games in that shack, but, you know, I'm getting old. I'm getting long in the tooth, so my memory, my memory maybe. Yeah. You, see, you see the Middleton thing, yeah? It's conceivable that next season after this one just starting, he becomes their first option. Now, the Bucks could be in massive... Trouble. This is the big. This is why it's so funny doing Milwaukee and Miami. I didn't even clock this. One, Giannis could be switching both teams, but one, Miami, I see as a team. Even I don't even care that Jimmy's thirty or thirty-one. Like that guy's gonna play to this level for years. Um, Miami are a team at the start of something fantastic, and the Bucks could be completely finished in twelve months' time. 
but I still, I don't know. We talked about this on Sunday as well. I feel like it's going to come out every fucking week, but do you think uh, Yanis signs or do you think Yanis stays or, or what? Yanis is gone. And he's going to come to the heat most likely. Like, I see it happening. I won't be upset. I just, I want Bradley Bill. You are fucking spoiled. You know that. I yeah, that's crazy. That's oh, crazy. I won't be. That's crazy to me. I won't be, no, I pre- I would prefer Bradley Bill because I want to see Bradley Bill shine. I'm a I'm a Bradley Bill fan. I like okay. him. Um, but uh, like Yanis, like cool, come through. Show me what you can do. The only problem is this season, the same team that you're looking looking to go to, just exploited your biggest weakness, and we're gonna inherit that. Yeah, but, but you clearly look. Yeah. I mean, we talk we talk heat culture, and we talk them making the most out of slightly low draft guys, undrafted guys. I do think a little bit is made up of that, by the way. Kendrick Nunn went undrafted, not because he's not good, but because he's uh, he's got a different type of hot hand. Um, Robinson, all right, cool. It's got a specialist. Um, Bam Adebayo was not that low in the draft, and Tyler Hero was a lottery pick. But I, I, I hear it. I, they do do very well with player development. Mm-hmm. I think a lot's made up of it. But I think they are the sort of place who they can see Giannis and just be like, I don't know what they're doing with him, but we're going to correct a, B, C. Yeah, they wouldn't be so high on him if if not. I hear that, but my thing is, in a sense of we we touched on it earlier, where he didn't like players are getting the ball touches what twice a quarter, if that, and if he comes and implements that same thing, which I think Spoke can get out of him, hopefully. But it's Duncan Robinson's got seven shots this game. I need him to have ten. Like Jimmy is one who came through regressed as in in terms of I'm going to give you the ball more than me but when you need me I'm here Yanis is I'm here when I need you do it I need him to be the Jimmy type of have the ball less that 39% usage rating that he has or something like that needs to drop to 32 maybe 30 and that will though and I feel like that will that's what I'm not sure and that's what we need to that's what I'm scared to find out because if we don't get that then it's it's peak because it's now not Miami Heat anymore and that's what I don't want. You're smiling, but it's true, like. No, I'm laughing because Mariah's. I don't know if Mariah's. Mariah keeps muting himself. He's technology noise forte. This expensive ass <laughs> mic is gonna start, let this brother right. down every Mariah's age for his, for his lack of uh, technical now. <laughs> you keep saying that, man. Don't make me talk about my, my credentials. Anyway, um, what I was gonna say to you, um, Shaq, is that. But don't you think that naturally happens at the Heat, though? Uh, why would you think a, a coach of Spo's caliber would bring in a talent like Giannis and not just use him to the best of his ability and derail, which is what is essentially a team that just needs boom, just that extra quality on the top to take them over the edge? Okay, I understand that and I agree, but see, we need that just that that boom. Giannis is boom, but Bradley Beal is boom. No, but I do, I agree. I don't know who it is. It might be a Beal. It might be, I think you have a lot of shooting and I like Beal, but you have shooting, right? But okay, it might, be, it might be, it might be Giannis, but I was literally, I was watching this um, finals again today and the Dragic was out, which is unfortunate. I, I, we haven't even mentioned this guy, Goran Dragic. Mm. He cooked us. I love Goran Dragic. Like this guy at five years old, he just looks like a Serbian, whatever he is, dad. Or I don't, he's not Serbian, that's rude. Um, he just finds his way through the paint, gets all types of finishes, round the rim, sick guy. But I was looking at it when he was off the floor, which I think 
again, if you're going Yanis, you're not picking up. I, I think that's a, is it a team option his second year? So you yeah. won't pick that up. So I think you've got a year left of him. And I was looking at around in one of the games he was injured. And Jimmy, again, this is why Jimmy is top 12 minimum, by the way. The guy just played point guard, shooting guard, small forward, whatever you want to call it. He, he, was with, he had shooters with him. He had bigger guys. With, the guy is sick. Um, he was bringing up the ball at the floor. And then they were in the half court. And I looked and it was Robinson, cool, Harrow, Jimmy, cool, Crowder and Bam. And then you looked at the other side and there was this is where I think this Yanis one-two punch with Bam will make such a difference for you lot. You looked at AD, you looked at LeBron, and then you looked at who else they had. And the Heat are just one player away. Whoever that player is, I don't know, but they are one player away from being the best team in the Eastern Conference. And I'll say that because I think Brooklyn could be a disaster. Um, and I think we're three years away rather than one player away just because we wanted to throw money at Kemba, who's got arthritis in his knee. Um, <laughs> you're one player away, and I think it's important <laughs> you get that right player. And if that player is Yanis, you think I'm capping and joking. It's actually arthritis. It's not even... I looked it up. It's fucked. Anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> it's fucking bad. Anyway, um, it's not my money. It's all right. Uh, yeah, I don't know who that is, but... Um, but I, I don't know why. I was just thinking the Kawhi thing today. And okay, yeah, he's moved home. So he's probably not going to move back out east. But that would be sick. And it, you, you might say clash with Jimmy a little bit in terms of what they take up on the court. And it's probably not as good a fit as Yanis in terms of difference. But um, I, I just see it as a place where every player is looking at Miami right now. and thinking, yeah, I want to go there. Everyone except TJ Warren looking yeah. at that place. Uh-huh. <laughs> thinking, right. Right. Don't want no more kisses from Jimmy, so he's not getting involved. But everybody it's, else, what's unique to us is though, like there's a range of players that really fill that one piece. Paul George would suit us, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Kawhi would shoot us. You've got leadership. You've got Bam, who can. But this is where I think the size would help of Giannis. Like they'd suit you, but you do go quite surprisingly small. Um, yeah, but athleticism helps Bam. It helps. Like sometimes we play Bam and Kelly Olynyk. Yeah, Linux, he's gone in a year. Yeah, I know, I know. Play you know what I mean? You, you, I think size-wise, you, you've lost crowd. I think Precious could be interesting, by the way. But yeah, is, I think yeah. you, you do tend to go a little bit small, which made a difference, I think, when you had that mug, Howard just crashing into people at times and stuff. And um, yeah. that's where I think I think Yanis is the best fit. But I think you're right. I think there's so many people that could come in um, and just really fit anywhere, like... The great thing about well being a Heat fan right now, and to be fair throughout all of it, is I actually trust the office. Mm. Like, we got rid of that bum. You say that, yeah. idea. Listen, I've never had a player in my team I hate so much. I, As who? Hassan Whiteside. I swear. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hassan no, <laughs> Whiteside is a calamity. He ain't even been, he ain't been picked up yet, has he? He's still free agent. Yeah. Still there, he's still free. Yo, that's <laughs> his calamity, bro. That's damning. That's like, damning. I, I can't with that guy. But they said, you know what? You're toxic. We move you. We moved him for little pieces here and there. It worked. We got he had by far one of the worst contracts in the league. And so did Gordon Hayward. And well done to the Celtics for getting rid of him as well. But well, it looks like today we might have just got a trade exception out of him. We didn't exactly get rid of him. He walked because he got offered stupid money, but <laughs> we got a trade exception, it looks like. So alhamdulillah, we're all right. But it's fine, but it's like <laughs> Our offense haven't made a bad movie yet, and that's because we really be making like under the rug deals happen where people aren't paying attention to us. Now the spotlight's here. 
you go, you're going for a big star, you're going for Yanis. I hope it works, but we will see because they've not made spotlight moves for since 2013 in a sense. Yeah, but they're gearing for it, man. Like, look at that. If you go on on whatever these sites and they show, you look at that cap space for the year after this. Yeah. And it's just like <laughs> money, money, yeah, they, they are gearing for it. So I think it'll be it'll be it'll be good. I think I mean, yeah. As as the main Twitter I've been, I've been tired keeping up with this free agency, but next year's just gonna be um yeah, uh, it's gonna be a that's gonna be a shift pattern, that one. That's uh that's gonna be a next level. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Uh, so these these two teams do actually rank number one and number two in, in the power rankings currently. Uh so Analysis: what, The power ranking in the east or the overall power ranking in the east? Okay. But wait, wait, wait. For what? Number one and number two. So for for going into this season, made, yeah. Going into Whoever wrote that needs to come and listen to our Milwaukee section right now because they'll well, still they'll still get they'll still win the east. Still get their sixty. Still win the east. Where's Brooklyn? Our Empty calorie. Empty calorie wins. Brooklyn aren't there because Kyrie's probably just gonna flame out again. Your Kyrie agenda is silly, by the way. You Joe Harris. Joe <laughs> Harris. Joe <laughs> Harris. Joe Harris is making bucks. is probably going to only be able to hop up with one leg. It's a mess. When, 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 the, when the Nets autopsy comes <laughs> on, I'll make sure that you're there as my foil and I'll disprove all the nonsense in the buckwurst that you're talking, man. I'm tight, DeAndre Jordan. Real center there. Oh, sorry, Tice. Ooh, that's hard. You mean Tice over Tice. Ooh. Oh man, I'd love Tice over DeAndre Jordan. I'd take Jarrett Allen over both, but he's getting splinters in his ass on that bench. Please, let's let's not like the 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 Nets have a team that can really and truly slap every team, especially because you have KD and Kyrie Irving in your team as well. Like they can do a mad thing, but we'll save it for the next. Shaq, segment. I know. Shaq, I know you're new to the to the group, so I'm gonna let you know something. Even the ne- he's he's being very quiet right now because he feels like you're here. He's got a little mate to back him. Yeah, <laughs> even the Nets fan out of us four is a bit is a bit worried. Can't Don't worry. I've got less, so, less so to do with the players and more so to do with the fact that we've basically got Dan Tony and fucking uh, Steve Nash about to try and do seven seconds all over again. And Perfect it's, plan. It's scary, but yeah, we'll 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 leave that for another day. Uh, listen, lads, this this has been great so far. Uh, we've we've basically covered everything that's happened for both teams this season. Um, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, to the listeners, make sure that you sign up to our Discord, follow us on the socials, uh, and keep it locked to Courtside Fracker. Peace. Thanks for having me. Last one. Podcast Network.